to Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. And please stand as we read God's word. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. You know God's word. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and backed him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, that even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening once again for the ordinary means of grace, the ministry of your word that you promised to feed us and build us up in our faith, build us up in comfort and holiness. And we thank you now for your word that is trustworthy. Let us see now the wonderful deeds and and truths revealed to us and be it a blessing to your people. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I recently came across something like an article where people shared their experience with a famous actor or athlete, and they put them into two categories, and they were either very amazing in the way they treated their fans or just awful. Um, Michael Jordan, for example, the greatest basketball player of all times, um, great basketball player, but an awful personality when it comes to his fans. Can't even approach him. I'm sure you heard about it. His, his security team will not, will, will not let you take any pictures with him or you, you won't get an autograph or anything like that. Uh, Julia Roberts, beautiful from the outside and apparently hideous from the inside. She won't even look at you when you talk to her. Um, Adam Sandler, a mediocre actor, but um, a wonderful, wonderful person when you, when you meet him. I wonder, although, what people would say when they would see Jesus here in this narrative. Uh, people that were present and would, would, would see how Jesus dealt with this poor Gentile woman and how he treated her. It seems to us at first glance that he is awful to her, that he is very rude and harsh the way he treats her. And for her it was even more severe. She, she sought him out and, and put so much, no doubt, money and time and sacrifice into finding him. How would people perceive 
the way he acted towards this woman. And it's one of those stories where you wish you wouldn't know the ending, wouldn't know the outcome right away, but read along the story and, and would be surprised by what happens at the end. And yet still, as we read this narrative, the question rises, what is, he, what is Jesus doing here? What, is his, what are his intentions? And what is the point of this narrative, of this text before us? And, and this narrative, and it's, I think, very important for the meaning of this text, uh, happens against the backdrop of Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees and scribes in, in the beginning of chapter 15. We haven't read, read it, but it, I believe, belongs together. The issue of, of defilement, the issue of a, a true, pure heart. And the verses before the Canaanite woman um, that we read in, in 17 to 20 sums, sums it up really well. We have here the Pharisees um, approaching Jesus and criticizing him and his disciples that they don't wash their hands, that they don't follow the, the, the traditions and, and the law of, of the elders. And what, do, what does Jesus say? Why do you why do you transpass? Why do you wash your hands? Uh, and he answered them in verse 3, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Here are the Pharisees that think that if they follow their own traditions, their own man-made, self-made laws, that they are entitled to be called children of God. That they are entitled to approach God and to, to call themselves children of God. And yet Jesus is saying in verses 17 to 20, you don't understand. You don't understand the problem. It is not what you, what you put into your stomach, what goes into your stomach, what, but what comes out of your heart. Out of your heart, coming sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, and so on. It is, the problem is really inside you. It is not what touches your, your skin or what goes into your stomach, but the heart that is within you. And even the disciples, they don't quite understand what Jesus is saying here. And that is something for us to, to notice. Often we, we fall into that pitfall. We have the tendency to think that, that we are quite well. We, we do what we're supposed to do. We look... Um, upon our works and, and life and think we grew up in the church and we are entitled to be God's children. But Jesus, he exposes that wrong, false understanding. Now, keep in mind the problem of defilement. Keep in mind that episode between the scribes and Pharisees and, and Jesus. And here now comes, comes a woman from the region of, of Tyre and Sidon. In verse 21, here comes a woman from a region, a nation that is by definition unclean. The Israelites hated the Canaanites. They were their enemies. And nobody would talk to them. They would go around them. And yet here she approach, approaches 
Jesus and she cries out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Well, this is interesting. She says, not only Lord, but she says, Son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Word have must traveled fast. She must have heard about Jesus and all the wonderful miracles that he has done. The word must have spread even across border to Canaanite, Canaan. And it's not insignificant for a Canaanite woman to make it across the border and to seek out a Jewish man for help. Man would usually typically not talk much with women, but a rabbi would not talk at all with women, especially a Canaanite Gentile woman. They have their own temples, they have their own gods, they have their own religion. She has no place here. But she comes to Jesus and she cries out to him, Lord, oh Lord, which is a title of respect. It does not mean necessarily um, or is implying the supreme title the way we use Lord. But she also calls him son of David. And this is clearly a messianic title. So here's the woman outside uh, the boundaries of Israel, a woman that has no place, especially in that culture, to address a rabbi. She's in every sense unclean, and yet she comes to Jesus, calling him Lord, calling him son of David, Despite all the obstacles, she approaches him and pleading with him. She's not only pleading, she's submitting to his lordship, and she's addressing him as the son of David, the Messiah of Israel. And we need to say to ourselves, she, come, she came to the right place, at the right time, to the right person. We would rejoice over a person who would come like that into our church building. What a moving scene. Finally, she found him. The one from whom she heard so much. The loving and compassionate. Jesus full of mercy and grace. But we read here, he answered her, not a word. He is simply ignoring her. And, and try to, to see that picture. Jesus is walking on the road with his disciples. And this woman is approaching from the distance, yelling, screaming, shouting. Jesus, have mercy upon me, Lord, son of David. No response. Not a word from Jesus. And he just keeps going. How unlike Jesus. And the language here is implying a continually crying out, a continuing crying and shouting. And we just can't imagine what went through her head. Was she wrong about him? No doubt her friends and neighbors in, in Canaan were telling her and warning her not to go. Why even bother? They won't pay any attention to you. You are an unclean woman. 
from a foreign nation, a pagan in their eyes. They won't talk to you. They won't pay any attention. They, won't, they will ignore you. And this is exactly what happens. What a disappointment. What shall she do? She made all the way to see Jesus. Should she go home? Because she tried after all. And we see here the first lesson that Jesus teaches us. And the first lesson is that saving faith never turns away from Jesus. J.C. Ryle, he, he, he noticed that, that this year we see the blessing of affliction. If, if our afflictions drive us toward Jesus, then, then they are truly a blessing to us. And here we have a woman at the end of her rope, and she is at the feet of Jesus, calling out to him. Every affliction can either drive us away from our Lord or drive us towards him. And here the woman, she is with Jesus. Can you think of a time like that? Where you cry out to God, you pray and pray and pray, and there's nothing but silence. Samuel Rutherford, he, he called it that, or he said that the silence of God is the bittersweet ingredient that a Christian must drink in his cup of sorrows on this earth. It is the bittersweet ingredient that a Christian must drink while he is here walking on earth. And this is what the woman here experienced. This is what we as seasoned saints, every, every saint can, can tell you from his experience, that there are times where it seems like God is silent and he's not answering. It is one way in which God shapes and forms our faith and he keeps us close to him, close to himself. He makes us realize that we are dependent upon him and that we need him. And here's the woman realizing exactly that. But it gets worse, doesn't it? The disciples get involved and they are sick of her crying out after them. Sometimes we, we receive less compassion from the people of God, but, but here Jesus, he is joining them. They say to Jesus, do something, send her away. And, and Jesus does answer, doesn't he? He, he? he tells her that this is basically not his job. He is a, he is, he's come to the lost sheep of Israel. He's He's come to Israel, I'm on a mission, and you are simply not in my mission field. Can you imagine that? That approach to evangelism. If people come here and, and they say they need Jesus, and they're in desperate need, and the first question the pastor asks is, where are you from? This is not your place. Yet she's not only ignored by the disciples, but also by Jesus rejected and rebuffed. At least that is what Jesus wants us to think. And what is her response? Again, she comes and she kneels before him, saying, Lord, help me. The word also means 
Kneeling means worshipping. She comes and she kneels before him, worshipping him as the Lord and, and crying out to him, praying, Lord, help me. Lord, you are the son of David, the Messiah, and, and I am in need of help. This is, those are the words that every human should utter to Jesus Christ. There's nothing in this world that we need more than Jesus Christ. She is indeed at the end of her rope, at the end of her wisdom and strength. And she's crying out to Jesus, pleading with him. Surely Jesus will answer her now. But instead, he doesn't. Instead, he says it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's not only ignoring her and rejecting her, but here he seems he's offending her. He's, he's insulting her. This is pretty, pretty hard, pretty harsh to say to, to a woman. And, and to be fair, the commentators, they, they are quick to point out that this word doesn't mean stray dog. The dogs that are out of the, on the street and then you, you better not touch, you, you try to avoid them. This is the word for little dogs, for, for that dog that you keep in your home and that the kids are playing with. And, and if they don't like the food, they are feeding the dog under the table. But a dog is a dog. And you do not call a lady a dog. You do not call any human being a dog. That is offensive. That is an insult. And Jesus is telling her, you don't have any right. You are a dog. You're not a part. You're not part of Israel. You're, you're not you don't have any natural right, you have no religious right. You are, by definition, an outsider and unclean. And what's her answer? She affirms it. She says, yes, Lord, I am a dog. Yes, Lord, yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Yes, Lord, you are right. I am a dog. That is her answer. And, and here I am in need of crumbs. And, and I will be satisfied if I even get a crumb that is falling from the table. I need you to feed me. And here is where the context is so important. And, and it really lifts the meaning of Jesus dealing with the Canaanite woman. Why is he doing what he's doing? Do, do you see the contrast to the Pharisees? All the time, actually, when Jesus confronted the Pharisees. But here in, in this beginning of the chapter, he, when he confronts the false understanding, what happens? In verse 12, they are offended. They are offended. How dare you questioning us? They make their own rules and think that that's how they are right with God and actually think that they are entitled to be called God's people. 
And when Jesus confronts them, they are offended. And the, Jesus, the, the disciples say, that is pretty offensive, Jesus. Don't you know that you offended them? The leader of, of Israel? And yet, here is the woman. Jesus ignores her. He rejects her. He calls her dog, and, and she says, yes, Lord. That is what I am. If you call me dog, I am a dog. The Puritans call themselves often worms before God. She knew who Jesus was, the son of David, the Messiah. She knew that she was in great need and nobody else would be able to help her. And she knew who she was an unworthy sinner in desperate need of God's grace. And she says, only the crumbs, and I'm satisfied. This is a lively and true saving faith displayed before us. She's basically saying, I need you, and I'm not turning away from you until you feed me. And this is the moment Jesus was waiting for. This is what he wanted to demonstrate to the people around him and maybe even to the Pharisees that were still tagging along. This is what he wants to, to demonstrate to us today, this evening. Perhaps he was even looking around, pointing at her, waiting for this very moment to say, this is a true worshiper. He says, O oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. This is the only time in Matthew, as far as I know, where great and faith are together. This Gentile woman puts to shame every Pharisee and scribe around her. This is a slap in the face to every self-righteous man and woman. This is saving faith. Knowing who Jesus is and who we are and our need. Agreeing to everything that the word says and, and trusting in Jesus. This is saving faith demonstrated to us. You see, Jesus casts out no one who comes to him with a contrite heart. If we go back to the introduction, was Jesus awful or amazing or awesome. Here is Jesus demonstrating how awesome and, and wise and gracious he is. He did ignore her, but only to test her. He did reject her and seemingly insult her, but only to demonstrate her faith to the people around him and to, to us. And his response at the end is beautiful as he's saying, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus said himself that all the Father gives me will come to me and I will cast, and, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Did she deserve to be hurt? She was unclean. She was a sinner. She, she was not part of God's people. But here's the beauty. 
It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are, what is your name, what's your, what your name is, what you've done. But by faith, when you come to Jesus, when you trust in him, he will never cast you out. When you put your trust in Jesus and believe in him, he will lavish you with grace and love, and he will call you his child. It is by grace through faith. And Jesus will cover you with his righteousness, the only one who was clean in heart, the only one who did not follow human-made laws or traditions, but God's perfect standard, God's law. He lived the perfect life, and yet he died for all those who believe in him. And he rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and everyone who prays to him, knowing that, he is, that, that we are unworthy but in need of a great Savior, he will hear and he will answer and he will embrace. Let us give thanks to our great and awesome Savior. Amen.